Hello everyone, I'm Jen and welcome to another episode of Monogamish Pod. On this week's episode, I'm talking to my friend Elijah about their life and their journey into non-monogamy. But before we dive into that, I want to talk to you about our sponsor, altplayground.net. Now, I've talked to you guys a million times before about Alt Playground's amazing features on the site, such as the big wall with the themed days, the forums, the podcast corner, our community, by the way, find the monogamous pod community. I'm not very active on there, but find it. There's still some good stuff involved and so many more things that Alt Playground has to offer. But right now, I want to talk to you about their social media presence, which is not usually the route that we go with these things, right? So Alt Playground has merged with several non-monogamous sites, Love Voodoo, Sexy Mofo. So they've had these huge mergers happening, trying to become the best damn lifestyle website in the U.S., right? So they've done all those things and they've curated this amazing social media presence. There were blitzes with all the different podcast partners posting about Alt Playground all the time. So you guys get to see us use the features. You get to know what we're talking about. You get to know the family at Alt Playground and the community just as much as the website itself. So there are some upgrades coming soon. It's, it's going to be amazing. Trust me, guys. I have two bonus episodes coming out this month with people who work behind the scenes at altplayground.net, but that's not where I'm going with this. Alt Playground is doing something new with their social media presence. So they've done the Sibian giveaway that was very much curated through the point system on altplayground.net, but their social media presence recently has been definitely pro-pride. You guys know how I feel about pride. And also doing a word of the day. So if you are in the scene, if you are in the lifestyle, if you are into non-monogamy at all, there's certain little key terms that we use, which may be colloquial, maybe not, to discuss different relationship dynamics and different situations. So Alt Playground putting out this word of the day thing is super dope because you get to find out more words that you did not know existed. And you get to know exactly what's going on. So maybe you were at a party and you were like, oh, I love this munch. Munch? What the hell's a munch? There's a definition for that. And All Playground's going to post it for you. So if you're not following All Playground on social media, head on over to at Alt Playground on Instagram and at Alt Playground 1 on Twitter. Follow them there. And if you haven't signed up for the site already, what are you waiting for? Head on over to altplayground.net and sign up today. Now that I've talked to you about Alt Playground, let's dive into the conversation with Elijah. So you identify as a non-binary person, correct? Is that a discovery you made in childhood or in adulthood? Um, Adulthood. Would you classify yourself as heterosexual? No. Did you notify that in adulthood or in childhood? That was a childhood thing. (laughs) Okay. So let's talk about that transition then into realizing like, hey, I may not be as straight as I think I am. (laughs) Now I'm in Morocco. I think I first realized that in the seventh grade. So I was still in Jersey at the time. Uh, I was like 12, 11, 12, around that age. And around then I'm hanging around someone who I recognize it as a crush, but also, I have an image to uphold. So I was definitely in the closet. The crush didn't, didn't even know that I liked them for some time. And I think about this part often because I think that around them, we didn't even really know what... At 12 years old, I, I wasn't really thinking, didn't really know what like sex was really. So we knew what gay was 
in the negative way. Like we knew we didn't want to be it because that's what we were called. That's what we called other people. <laughs> so it's not something that you want to be. So anything that's outside of this performance that everyone else is putting on, that's where you have to stay. And I shoved any thoughts like that to the back burner, though I, I maintained that crush like throughout my high school years. And it just remained that until I think college really was. Which is when I, mm-hmm. you know, let loose, I guess. So you were restrained, understanding this part of yourself, but not really exploring it due to, of course, negative connotation society. Mm-hmm. Then college happened and you became a Lego beast. <laughs> let go. All out there. Yeah. Put on the line. Okay, so what was that first moment where you realized you could explore this in college? I think seeing other people and their freedom and just how simple it all was, like how easy it was to not get attention, but yeah, basically, yeah. <laughs> You're like, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm a pretty person. It was easy for me to get attention. That's fine. There was that. And with that, it was like, there's the privacy of, like, my college, our dorms were not like small. So it was about the size of a nice apartment. Like a, it was a four bedroom apartment, really equipped with kitchen and a, and a fridge and living room and all. And two bathrooms, but there wasn't just four people living there. There was like me, I had an immediate roommate and a bunk bed. And then the room next to me, there was three people. And down the hall, there was another three, four people. Y'all were really packed in there. Yeah, it was like eight or nine of us in, the, in this uh, dorm room. So it's, I can't really bring anyone here if I want to maintain that secrecy, that anonymity, because I still wasn't like out. I don't think I actually went to any parties in my college years. I spent most of my time like picking up folks in regular day to day, you know, life, and I would head back to their dorms and. That was it. Enjoy the experience. Okay. So what was the first non-woman that you hooked up with? Do you remember that moment? Where is there any kind of like fear or awkwardness or anything like that? No, I don't think there was any awkwardness. I approached it the same way I would with any physical interactions with women at the time and I think I just approached it yeah kind of casually say hey you fine let's fuck they were like okay yeah at that time there was a confidence it's still there it's just chill now but yeah there was a confidence and an energy that was just youthful (laughs) that's definitely a way to describe it that youthful energy that confidence that Mm -hmm. cockiness in a way I think that Especially in our late teens, early 20s, we think we've arrived. (laughs) Arrived where? I have no idea. (laughs) We've arrived. Mm -hmm. And we're wonderful. And especially when you're opened up to all these new people and being able to be parts of yourself, I can definitely see that making it easy to pull. I, too, suffered from the cockiness of youth. (laughs) So I'm picking up what you're putting down. That's Mm -hmm. what I'm saying. (laughs) It, It was just, he was so pretty. That was like my first thought, I think. Like, yeah, he's very pretty. 
And like that, I was like, that's what I'm into. So has your quote unquote type changed mm. at all since that time? Are you still attracted to hella pretty people? For me, it's, and I think it's so interesting because I don't think anyone's ever been able to spot like a pattern and the women that I date, I think they've all kind of been different. And in and one way or another, they're all totally different people. I think the only pattern is that the women that I date are black. What was that? Caribbean. Yes, Car- yes, Caribbean. <laughs> so black Caribbean woman, that's your time. Yeah, that seems to be it, really. Is it because you like that sauce? That spiciness? I, 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 it must be. <laughs> wow, now I'm going through the, the folks in my head, and I'm like, wow, that's, yeah, that's it. Black Caribbean women, but then with with men like uh, not other like non-binary folks, it's usually I don't know. I think I really hold men to like a high standard because I I think growing up around and once identifying as one, I know men. Like there was this guy I know back in high school, and he was a virgin, which was not uncommon. I ended up going to a Muslim school. And that wasn't an uncommon thing. He was known for, at some point, he had sex with a slice of bologna. Yeah, he warmed up a slice of bologna. And yeah. And I was like, I am acutely aware that men (laughs) will have sex with anything. (laughs) Listen, my mom told me that when I was a child, and I've never forgotten that. She was like, men will say and do anything to get in your pants. And what's yeah. in your pants is not special. And I was always like, what do you mean? Because I was, of course, very young. Didn't really understand what she was talking about. But I had a former partner. And she was like, that's the kind of man that would stick his dick in an ant's nest if he thought it would make him feel good. She didn't lie, because that's definitely something that he would do. But <laughs> just like, yeah, no. I'm like, men, men will put their dicks in just about anything. Yeah. Like inanimate objects, like it's interesting. It's not surprising though. So like my standard for men is pretty high because I'm just like, I know. <laughs> yeah. And so now that we've covered your sordid college past, was non-monogamy always a part of your life, even when growing up? Or is that something that you just knew existed peripherally in a certain subsets of Muslim culture, but it wasn't practiced around you? Growing up, no. I think my like my first introduction to non-monogamy, like in, in hindsight, was college, being in a relationship with a woman. And at some point, we kind of, we were doing like the on-again, off-again thing. And it was like obvious that there was interest in other people. And so... She was like, hey, why don't we just see other people? But we were, like, still together. And I was like, yeah, that's fine with me. And so we did that for a while. And, like, looking back, I'm like, oh, wow, that was, <laughs> this was not like We were very, like, open with each other. We were honest with each other. It was pretty healthy. And yeah. intentional, I guess, doing, like, research into what it was uh, a more recent experience. I was like my last partner, my ex. And I think I had been single for a few years before. And she was like, hey, like, I'm not monogamous. I have another a casual partner. And I'm like, this is fine. I guess some folks say made it easier, though I didn't, I don't 
really think so. Yeah, there are ideas people have about long distance making non-monogamy easier because you're not physically around the person all, all the time. Mm-hmm. Would you still feel that way if you lived in the same house as them? Yeah. And I feel like I would, at least. I don't know. I, I enjoy non-monogamy. I think it's taught me a lot. I think it's still currently teaching me things. I, yeah. So what is one lesson you can say you learned early on in an intentional non-monogamous journey? What I need? I think that's the first thing. I think an early lesson was like, what is it that I need from other people, from my person, from, from family, from friends? It taught me about all relationships, really. I hadn't really engaged in any of the casual I didn't have any other partners for a while in that relationship and I was pretty okay with it but there was those days where your partner is out doing their thing and you're bored <laughs> it's like there's there's nothing to do <laughs> there's no one to talk to there's no one like, to hey. do right now so I was like hey I want to engage in this but I don't want to do it because I'm bored um, which led me to, I organically found a person and they were kind of, their understanding of casual was very cold. And that was, that's where that lesson came in where I'm like, this is not something that I need nor want. I need some type of physical intimacy. I need some warmth. And... She was not uh, in that space, and so I had to like let that go. It's good that you were able to acknowledge that. How long were you engaged with that particular person for? The one who had uh, cold hands and maybe a cold heart? That person, I think it was very brief. It was no more than a month. Oh, wow. So you figured it out pretty much right away. You're like, this is not really working for me. Something's yeah. off. It's mainly because she voiced it. And so she was like, yeah, in order for this to work, either we're going to have sex and that's it. You don't stay over. We don't hang out outside of this. Like, we don't even see each other like that. Or we're friends. And then that, if that's the case, we also aren't, hey, like, doing this. Like, we're not basically no physical int- intimacy either way. <laughs> so it was just P&V, no kissing, no foreplay, yeah. no no real touching for too long, no snuggles, no cuddles, no yeah. hand-holding, just you come over, I unzip my pants, you unzip your pants, you slide your, you know, yeah. tab A, slot B, and then you leave. Yeah, very robotic, very, like, mechanical. <laughs> like, hey, all right, let's yeah. use each other and leave. And I'm like, this is not for me. So... I got out of that. And then I was back to, I think I found someone else like rather uh, quickly, but that ended because she also didn't really understand boundaries. Yeah. We want people who respect our boundaries at all times. Right. And I think once that relationship ended, which was end of 2018, 2019 beginning, and I kind of just decided to stay to myself and love myself and learn myself through that time. Mm-hmm. And once I've had enough of being alone, I was like, hey, I'm, I'm going to be a hoe. And it's never too late for one of those uh, phases. So I did that for a little okay. while. Okay. So what's your most memorable 
story from your whole phase? What was <laughs> what's one moment that stands out in your mind from that time period? I say ho, but so I think it was this time. I happened in someone's DMs, I can't remember, and asked them out. And we go out, we have a great old time, go to some really horrible bar. It was gross, actually. And the food was gross, and they sat us by a garbage can. It was not the best. But then we, we left, and there's like a hole in my bag, and so I'm like dropping fried shrimp in my bag. And I turn around and it's like, this is New York. So there's like rats behind us taking the shrimp. And that was just, this is all set up to something a lot more like sexy than. I guess I believe you, but now I'm wondering, right. can it get sexier than rats eating can shrimp? Can it get that's sexier? Out of your oh. <laughs> so I think we, uh, we go for a walk where we've decided to smoke along the, like the pair. And. I was like, hey, it's like getting really late. It's like one to two o'clock in the morning. Where do you like, where do you have to take a train to? And she was like, the last stop. And I was like, that's a good like 45 minutes to an hour. I was like, how about I pay for the Uber? Let's go. And she was like, cool. This doesn't mean I'm going to sleep with you. Of course not. We get to her house and she has to reiterate that we're not having sex and i'm like oh that's fine so i'm like sitting across <laughs> like off of the bed and she's like why are you all the way over there and i'm like because i don't want to be on your bed my outside clothes and you already said we're not having sex and she was like yeah just take your clothes off whatever um you can like shower or whatever i shower and i fell in the shower and hit my head on her toilet that was a lot so you tried to die at her house? I, I, <laughs> I didn't try to die. It just all it happened organically. But it was like at some point between like me almost dying and being in bed, there was this really natural intimacy. This like physical um, intimacy I wanted. I think college set me up for that. Like uh, college has us like or at least in my experience, as like trying to figure out our like self-worth and whatnot. And with me, I'm like, oh, I, I have a lot of honest moments with folks during that time in sex. And this is when people are around. This is when this person is going to be here, at least. And I've thought about that often. But a part of it is still true, at least the honest moments, it's still there. Like, I don't keep people around with it anymore, or at least I don't think about it like that anymore. Okay, but, so um, you had some interesting times. <laughs> yeah, and that was, like, not, like, a, a wild, like, host story where I'm, like, doing something outrageous. It's just outrageous things happening. I don't even know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. It just things happening to you. I'm just like, how does this even happen to someone? <laughs> It was very movie-like. So when is the movie about your life coming out? Because now I have to see it. <laughs> I am working on that. I'm, I'm working on that. Okay. All right. Sounds good. I'll be first in line to see it on Netflix or wherever we, wherever you tripped it to. I want to see it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> tell me about the realization that you are a not a cishet 
man, but you are non-binary. What does that look like for you? And how does that show up in your non-monogamy practice? When did I figure that out? I th- it, it was recent, actually. It was, I want to say 2017. Because I actually came out in terms of the queerness in... I want to say 2015, 16, like out, out, like to friends and selected family around that time. And so I'm like, all right, now I'm like comfortable with knowing myself. I guess I can continue to to look at myself. And I wasn't feeling like too attached to, you know, the idea of, manhood and being a man and it just it seemed foreign and then i started looking into what other what else is there and if anybody else had these had these thoughts on this issue and at the time i knew a few trans folk but i felt like this was something different like it wasn't a straight up feeling of being on the the other side of it but just like a rejection of both, really. And figuring out like, oh, like that means like I'm non-binary. I was still attached to like he, him pronouns. But even then, I think that was just me not wanting to deal with people butchering uh, the, the they, them pronouns and me like giving them that pass to still call me he. But then I realized that folks were still calling me he. Pretty much that was all they were calling me. And I was like, okay, y'all are still like kind of attached to this. And I feel like you'll still view me as this unless I get rid of that. Is there any one moment where you could say that this is the the term that I want to use now? I want to be they, them. Is there like a moment that you remember, like one thing where it's like someone called you he and you were like, not quite right. I can't remember if it was one moment. I do remember that happening often, though where he like being called he was just a made me wince it, it got under my skin like hearing metal scraping <laughs> i was like ah, i don't like that at all were you seeing anyone at the time when you made this mental shift and then decided to live your truth so to speak i wasn't seeing anyone seriously i think i was in the middle of some casual like hookups with some other like non-binary folk and we in having those discussions like were, was so necessary that was definitely like a big help in it and me figuring out like hey am i just continuing to hold on to like he him so folks feel comfortable and can still and and so i don't have to hear them call me he him when i don't want them to it's hmm, interesting. So you were already at least, you know, familiar with non-binary people and you had mentioned mm-hmm. trans people before. So you already had exposure mm-hmm. in a sense to these humans. Was there any kind of support group that you found online while you were figuring this out? Or was it mostly just in-person communications and internal thoughts? Everybody. I think anybody I know in person, I think I've met them online. Like anybody in my life that like post-college. So I was starting like making music. That was when... I guess my network grew a bit and different people started to enter my life from different walks of life and different identities. And so, yeah, it was mainly an online thing that became in person. 
Okay, I feel that. So you said you make music. See, you didn't tell the you didn't tell the people what you were doing before. So now they're <laughs> taken by surprise. Also, it's my bad. Usually I'm like, hey, so why don't you introduce yourself? Tell us something about you. I just came in hot with all the questions and now we're all surprised. Okay. Mm-hmm. So let's talk about what you're doing now, artistically, career-wise. How are you living and loving as of this moment? <laughs> January 2021 at the time of this recording. I'm actually working on a project that's been like such a long time coming. I think I've been writing this project out for the past few years and I'm just getting comfortable now with deleting a lot of it and starting over because I'm like, Mm -hmm. huh, this is a new me. And this project has now turned into something about healing where it wasn't before. And after my birthday, like I just turned 28 in December and doing music and dealing with whatever troubles I was dealing with. I think I had always had that. Is it a fear? Is it probably, yeah, like, I'm the, like, is it a fear? Is it a fear? If you have to have, if you have you're to not have. sure, it was a fear. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Of the age of 27 and stuff while making music. And I think I was just like spiraling at the time. So I turned 28 and I'm approaching these songs again and they're coming from a space of healing and looking towards the future. And I also have our mutual friend Pages is supposed to be on board with it. Ooh, I hear that, guys. There's a collab happening between Pages, Madame, and Elijah, Pyramid Jones. Mm-hmm. Doing a hand thing and putting my hands together. <laughs> it's not like, you guys can't see this, but it's happening right now. But no, that, that's super dope. So you're definitely a creative person, mm-hmm. which, you know, love that. And so what did you think? What did baby Elijah think they would be doing with their life when they got older. We talked a little bit about your fear of the 27, which for people who don't know, the 27 Club, a lot of famous musicians die at 27. That's mm-hmm. a legitimate thing. Amy Winehouse, uh, is one of the most recent Jimmy ones. Hendrix. Right. So it is people who've shifted music in these monumental ways died at 27. Just these amazing people who do this creative work. What's his name again? That old white dude, Jim Morrison. There we go. Mm -hmm. Him as well. So these things are happening. So it's a legitimate fear. There are actually bars dedicated to the 27 Club. Have you seen any of Mm -hmm. those in your way? We have one down here in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah. Around here? It's kind of creepy though, I think. Yeah. That's, yeah. (laughs) It's Um... a choice. (laughs) (laughs) Right. It's a choice. Okay, so yeah, so baby Elijah, what did you think you would be doing as you got older? As a good Muslim youth, were you envisioning a future for yourself? Married, children, that whole vibe? No, at least marriage and kids were not on my to-do list as a youngster, I don't think. Like, I used to draw, oh, sorry, yeah, so I was also big into drawing, and I used to want to be like a fashion designer. My dad used to so make his own clothes and draw his own clothes up and i wanted to follow behind that and so i used to do wedding dress designs and i I still to this day love the idea of weddings i love them but as a kid i don't think i was thinking about marriage and kids like that more so just thinking about having a garden and maybe a farm (laughs) and still doing music but like living kind of off the grid being a recluse 
All right. So a reclusive musician living off the land, off the mm-hmm. grid. Okay. So you want to be what Tupac is doing right now in Cuba. Right. Got you. <laughs> so uh, as you discovered that you were a monogamist, you know, do you see your polycule living off the grid with you? Is that the kind of future that you envision now for yourself? I don't think so. My current partner is not an outdoors type of person, <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> she is a New Yorker through and through. That is perfectly fine. I accept her in spite of this. And, but I think the long distance thing prepped me for the ability to be in multiple spaces. Mm-hmm. I'm all right with, let's say, having a space where there's a farm somewhere and like also being able to be in the city with people that I love. Okay, so that kind of like people talk about having a winter house in Florida, you know, right. something similar, not quite that, but that's yeah. the kind of analogy I'm trying to pull here. Okay, so if if you met someone who was like, yeah, I want to live off, I want to live <laughs> off the land, I want to live off the grid, would there be an awkwardness in terms of nesting with someone else who is not your current partner? And I'm asking this because mm. some people have a lot of ideas about that. I personally do not because I'm partnerless. But I'm asking from that perspective, would you nest with someone else who is not your current partner? Oh, I don't know. I think that's a, that's an interest. That's a good question. Actually. I hadn't thought of that. I typically see for me, non-monogamy. I don't know. I see romantic love as I don't really know if I have the capacity for multiple romantic loves at like right now at least and who's to say about tomorrow but i just i don't see that really happening that i non-monogamy has forced me to kind of look at love in general pages was just having a conversation about this the other day in terms of like love and hierarchies or romantic love familial and like platonic loves like my close friend group i i love them dearly and though like my romantic love is who i'm hopefully like building with i would have no problem with staying with a friend like my current partner is the is a bit of a loner in me so (laughs) i'm sure she would have no problem not living with me but i don't know if i could do the live with another partner Mm, okay yeah with another romantic partner not your current partner. Okay, I understand that. And I ask this because when we talked to PBG, Pyamis Black Girl, one of her dreams was that kind of like farm, or like a community of just all of her polyam, mm-hmm. like closest connections in that way, romantic and otherwise. So it, it's interesting for me now thinking about that and what I could possibly want for my future. So now mm-hmm. I just like to know what everyone else is thinking about for their future so I can see hmm, that doesn't resonate with me or that, that kind of resonates with me. Because <laughs> right now, my plan for my future is my very best friend and I, we are soulmates. It is completely non-romantic. Mm-hmm. The idea of a romance between us, people are very titillated by it. We've been best friends for, I'm 31 We've been best friends since we were like 12 or 13. That's so, so forever. We celebrate anniversaries. Pretty much I'm just kind of like, this year, this day's our anniversary. Because we That's went to school together from like grade seven all the way up to even college. So we just, we've just been friends forever. So our dream is to be together. No matter what happens, our partnership is the most important thing. Mm. And so she's, oh, I can't wait till we're living together. I'm like, 
but where is your fiance going to live? She's, I don't know. I guess you could figure that out. <laughs> we, we should get like a duplex or something. So your fiance and whoever I was is going to be on the other side of the duplex and we're going to be on our side. I <laughs> know. Oh, it's That's just wonderful. It's just funny thinking about what the expectations that people have of romantic relationships and that relationship escalator mm-hmm. <laughs> and prioritizing romance over any other kind right. of intimate connection. Right, I think the expectations, I think that, like, I forget, there was some video I was watching on, like, the debate between, like, polyamorous folk and monogamous folks, and on one side, I think she was saying that monogamy was easy in the way that, like, you have the script to follow. You find someone, you do this, you get married, and all that, and if you abide by these rules, you're good. And someone on the monogamous side was like, oh, no, you have to work, it's not easy, and you have to do this and this but eventually you're gonna want to have move in together and have kids and i was, and I was like so exactly what she said <laughs> follow that yeah. script <laughs> follow the script and you get exactly where you think you want to be and i say right. think because i have lots of ideas about people not even genuinely wanting what the script tells right. them to want but that's a whole separate thing. that's definitely a conversation like i oh i'm down to be a, a return yes. Oh, don't worry. You were already on the list for return. So thank you so much for clarifying for everyone else that I'm, I'm not going to bully you into it. You voluntarily will come back to talk about that expectation and thing. Because I, I want to, guys, let me brainstorm with Elijah here, okay? So I want to have a very similar conversation between people I know to be staunchly monogamous and people that I know to be non-monogamous. And not a lot, obviously, because too many voices on the mic is just crazy but just trying to have that conversation and just be like okay this is what I was raised in monogamy to expect and what it looks like and is that true for you and this is what it looks like in a non-monogamous context but it's true there are a lot of expectations that come with that you follow the script but are we all even in the same script are we on the same scene right now and who's to say that these are like things that you even want really like why like the the picket fence and the you know the dog and a tire swing like Ugh, that just has <laughs> a keep in the yard bro <laughs> like i'm here for the little small garden for that and yeah, being yeah. like around my my close friends and stuff of course i would definitely jump at the chance to you know be with my romantic partner as long if we have a space that's still gives us freedom like i'm also like that whole like being in one room thing is also not for me separate bedrooms forever thank you okay separate, right? separate bedrooms separate bathrooms separate closets i don't need us to share those spaces we share the kitchen isn't that enough for you we share the kitchen we share the living room <laughs> i'm all right let's have different bedrooms maybe i don't want to be around you today maybe you don't want to be around me today that's yeah. okay that's okay. We're allowed to feel our feelings and however they show up in our lives. That whole, uh, the trope, the that whole, oh, you sleep on bed? the couch. Right, oh. you sleep on the couch tonight thing. That doesn't work when you have two beds. You're, you're good. <laughs> yeah, also, I don't like that metaphor, like, in the doghouse situation. Right. Like, oh, well, you're going to be on the couch. Okay, but I bought this couch. It's hella comfy. Right. It's my couch. If I bought the couch, it's likely going to be comfortable. I'm okay with this. Okay, so if there is one thing that you want to share with our lovely audience before you return, one thing about your journey, something that you've learned about yourself, about life, 
just about relationships, about Pokemon. If there's one thing that you want to share with the people, what would that be? About accepting yourself as a non-binary queer person. It's so hard at times, I think. Not hard to accept self, but more you're, you will go through life with other people not accepting you very vocally. And that's something uh, we know outside of queerness is like, I'm also black, black and queer and non-binary. And so all of these things, and no matter what direction you look, there's this tolerance. And so just figuring out what makes me happy is just, the, I guess that's the, the everyday goal, like self-care, self-preservation, really. Self-care, self-preservation, resilience. Mm-hmm. A lot of that. Yeah, I. we wake up and we're Black every day. Right. <laughs> you can appear straight, you can appear to be right. a man or a woman, but you just wake up black every day. Well, You're so not like Kim Kardashian yeah. who got to paint that shit on her body. You, you just wake up black. And, and I wouldn't take away, wake up black every day and still like, and these are things I'm um, just like, every day I'm like, this is fucking great. I wouldn't trade this. <laughs> for being anything else this existence has its you know downs but life is is so much more interesting yes oh i can't imagine being anything but black <laughs> like people talk about that all the time they're like oh you know what if you were white i was like i can't imagine it i literally right. cannot see myself in this body i i've never for example i would talk about processing hair of course for black girls you gotta straighten your mm-hmm. hair all this stuff i've never done that not ever Never had process hair, never been an interest of mine. I've never wanted to have that proximity to whiteness by having that nice quote unquote hair, mm-hmm. which is really just damaged, chemically treated mm-hmm. hair. But I never had those thoughts, never had those feelings. Yeah. Elijah, thank you so much for being here. Why don't you tell our lovely listeners where to find the amazing Pyramid Jones? So um hiding in the letter in paradise. And that's on Twitter, Instagram, and camp, pretty much everything. Thanks again so much for doing this. I really appreciate it. And we will have you back soon to have even more amazing conversations. Once again, I would love to thank Elijah for joining us here on the podcast. It was such an amazing conversation. Elijah's a good life, let me tell you that. I'll put the links to where you can find Elijah in the show notes. But now that we wrap that up, Let's just talk to you about where you can find us and me. First of all, I want to shout out to Anchor.fm. We host our podcast on there. Shout out to Anchor. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at MonogamishPod. On Facebook, you don't really type at MonogamishPod unless you're tagging us, but you guys know what I mean. I try to be as active on social media platforms as possible. That's what that's about. You can also support us financially through Patreon.com slash MonogamishPod. You have to type in the link. Like, that's the only way it works. Sorry, for 18 plus. And uh, you can get bonus episodes, behind the scenes content, bloopers. I... I mess up a lot, y'all. I mess up a lot. <laughs> Lots of bonus clips there for you guys to enjoy. And if you're a patron on the certain tier for a certain period of time, you get special merchandise exclusive just for patrons. If you don't want to get free stuff from Patreon, you can just give us money on the listener support feature on Anchor.fm. You can type in Anchor.fm slash pod and it'll give you all the resources to find us there. Boom. That part. 
You can also find us on our website, monogamishpod.com. That's where you'll find the detailed show notes. You'll find links to podcast appearances that I've been on, that Sham's been on, that we've been on together. You can find a merch shop where, well, the merch shop is closing soon. I I said that, right? Like, it's not going to be closed, but it's going to be like on hiatus for a couple of months while I put in the new designs and it's going to open back up but I'll let you know exactly when it's happening anyway press the shop button on monogamishpod.com or head on over to monogamishpod.threadless.com check out our merch shop some of those designs are going away forever so you better cop your merch today we also post the three most recent episodes on SoundCloud, but for the next season, we're going to not be doing that anymore. We're going to focus on the YouTube. So right now, I have the first five episodes of season one up on YouTube. So head on over to youtube.com and search for Monogamish Pod, and you can find that. Follow us there. I'll be trying to upload our entire catalog during the hiatus that is to come at the end of season two. So look forward to seeing you over on the YouTube. And what else can I tell you guys about me? Oh, duh. I'm Jen, your host. You can find me at Have You Met Jen on Twitter and Instagram. I have a website, www.haveyoumetjen.com, where you can find out things about me, book me for appearances, etc. There's a little contact form on the site. You can go ahead and do that. You can support our podcast partners, Andrew Martucci and the Shelf Love Podcast. You guys know I love romance novels. And Shelf Love is an amazing romance podcast. And it's not just about reading romance novels. It's about critically engaging with the work and talking to scholars. So shout out to Andrew Martucci and the Shelf Love Podcast. If you like romance and romance novels, check that out. Also, check out YouTube Right. But you can always use code monogamish to get 10% off your order at youtubebright.com. Links, of course, to all these people will be in our show notes. As per usual, shout out to our sponsor, altplayground.net, holding it down on the ones and twos, just like they always do. And I think that's all I have for you guys today. I told you where to find us on Twitter, on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, SoundCloud, our website, and so many more places. So that's all she wrote. Once again, I'm Jen, and this has been Monogamish Pod. Have a great night, y'all.